Watch and listen to the talking news every day at 12 noon and 6 p.m. on Channel 96 Comcast Xfinity and Channel 30 Verizon Fios. It can also be heard Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. and Wednesdays at 12.30 p.m. on Channel 9 Xfinity and Channel 29 Fios. Listen anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. And now on to the talking news. Projects to go to town meeting by Joanna K. Zavallis. Two more projects have been approved by the Community Preservation Committee, totaling $156,250. The Payson Park Bandstand for $90,000 and the restoration of the first church clock for $66,250. These two projects, along with six previously approved projects, totaling $2.6 million, will be voted on by the town meeting this spring. For 29 years, the Payson Park Music Festival has been a summer tradition at Payson Park in Belmont. It was founded by Belmont resident Tommy Olson and features live music performances from professional bands every Wednesday from the first day of summer to the end of August and children's concerts every Friday during the month of July. Peter Quinn Architects designed the proposed bandstand, estimated to cost $90,000. The purpose of the bandstand is to keep musicians and their instruments sheltered if a summer shower occurs during a performance. The first church in Belmont at 404 Concord Avenue owns the historic clock located in the tower of the church property at 404 Concord Avenue, which has been there for more than 130 years. However, it needs repair because it hasn't been the correct time for many years. According to application to the CPC, the clock was hand-cranked until 1971. After 1971, an electric motor was installed to drive the striking mechanism. Retired town meeting member Marty Cohen used to manually wind the clock. The amount of $66,250 will pay for the cleaning of the clock and the installation of automated systems that would eliminate the need for people to maintain or wind the clock and fund a new ladder for the tower. The application from the Historic District Commission and Public Works slash Police Building Committee for $787,575 to repair the exterior facade of the Belmont Police Station that would include roof, windows, stonework, gutters, trim, paint, etc. was recently approved by the CPA Committee. The Belmont Conservation Commission's application requesting $20,000 for preservation and restoration of vegetation surrounding the pond, which will help manage non-evasive and and invasive plants uh, and restore historic views of the pond, has been approved. That is referring to the clay pit pond, by the way. Rock Meadow Habitat Preservation, the Belmont Commission's application requesting $25,400 to control non-native and invasive vegetation 
and help preserve valuable and unique grasslands and woodlands by reducing and eliminating noxious weeds has been approved. And also the community path design, the application from town administrator Patrice Garvin on behalf of the Board of Selectmen requesting $1 million from the CPA Committee to design Phase 1B of the Community Bike Path Project. Uh, that would be Brighton Street to the Clock Street Bridge, creating a pedestrian and bicycle path that connects Belmont Center and the Fitchburg Cutoff Path on Brighton Street was approved. Town Hall Playground Restoration, the Friends of Town Field Playgrounds, CPA application requesting $700,000 to update the existing playground with more modern accessible structures as well as the basketball and pickleball courts which are in disrepair has been approved. $60,000 for the design from the fiscal year 2020 budget and $640,000 for the construction uh, from the year 2021 budget. Friends of the Town Field Playground committed a fundraising $38,000, and the park hasn't been updated since either 1997 or 1998. And also the Town Hall Slate Roof Repair. Steve Dorrance, uh, Belmont's Director of Facilities, requested $75,000 to repair the slate roofs on Town Hall, the school administration building, and the HOMA building, to prevent water intrusion, which could compromise structural timbers and horsehair plaster. The application was approved. And now over to my colleague, Claire. Thanks, Bob. Plan raises zoning questions. Proposed four-car garage raises questions about zoning bylaw amendment by Diane McLaughlin. What started out as opposition to a Belmont resident's plan for a four-car garage has raised a series of questions about zoning bylaws. The town's interpretation of a 2016 bylaw amendment and whether the town conforms to state requirements. A group of neighbors from Clark Street and Kilburn Road have appealed a building permit issued for an addition at 65 Clark Street. The addition will increase the building's gross floor area by more than 30% which, based on a 2016 bylaw amendment approved by town meeting, requires a special permit from the planning board. But the town has interpreted the amendment to apply only to new houses, an interpretation the neighbor's attorney says violates the state's zoning uniformity law. Belmont Zoning Board of Appeals held a hearing about the matter in February and its ruling could affect how the amendment applies to Belmont homeowners. What is the project? The project calls for a four-car garage with a second story of living space at 65 Clark Street, owned by Xin Liu at 65 Clark Real Estate, LLC. A building permit was issued on November 19, 2018. Work on the addition started after the permit was issued. According to a letter from the owner's attorney, Stephen Rosales, the house is located in a single residence C zoning district. Why are neighbors opposed? In 2016, town meeting approved changes to the zoning bylaws to address residents' concerns about houses being demolished and replaced with larger dwellings. 
Neighbors say two aspects of the 2016 amendment apply to this project. The bylaw now requires a special permit from the planning board for additions that increase the gross floor area by more than 30%. Also, town meeting changed the maximum building height for dwellings in single residences, C, districts, to 34 feet to the uh, ridge, or the highest point. In their appeal to the ZBA, the neighbors say the height to the ridge is 36.35 feet. Before filing with the ZBA, Clark Street neighbor David Townsend had contracted the town about the project. In a letter to Townsend dated December 13th, Glenn Clancy, Belmont's building inspector, wrote that he interpreted the bylaw as applying to new structures, not to projects on existing homes. On December 18th, Townsend was one of 10 neighbors from Clark Street and Kilburn Road to file an appeal with the ZBA. The appeal contended that the building permit should not have been issued because the roof height made the existing structure a pre-existing, non-conforming dwelling. About 20 other neighbors have signed a petition supporting the appeal. Does the roof height make the building non-conforming? In its 2016 report to town meeting explaining the proposal, the planning board said the bylaw amendment establishes criteria for new homes and large additions on non-conforming lots less than 9,000 square feet and 75 feet of frontage. At the ZBA hearing, Mark Bobrowski, attorney for the neighbors, said because the roof height exceeds the height established in 2016, 34 feet, the structure was non-conforming. Rosales, the attorney for the homeowners, pointed to an apparent inconsistency in Belmont's bylaws related to roof height. Neither the definition of height in Section 1 of Belmont's bylaws nor the table of linear requirements in Section 4 mentioned the 34-foot ridge height, Rosales said. He added that 65 Clark Street conforms to the bylaws because the midpoint of the roof is less than 30 feet, the maximum roof height listed in the linear table. Under Section 1 of the bylaws, Height for gable roofs is defined as the midpoint, not the ridge. Can a zoning by law apply only to new structures? Arguing that the 2016 zoning amendments do not apply to 65 Clark Street, Rosales asked to have the building permit reinstated. He also pointed to the Planning Board's 2016 town meeting report to support the interpretation that the amendments do not apply to existing conforming buildings. But Bobrowski said, uniformity laws require zoning to be applied consistently within a district. The State Zoning Act reads, any zoning ordinance or bylaw which divides cities and towns into districts shall be uniform within the district for each class or kind of structures or uses permitted. Bylaws that apply only to some structures would present a uniformity violation, Bobrowski said. Aira Yugershian, Assistant Director of Belmont's Community Development Office, said during the ZBA hearing that Belmont's Town Council had reviewed and approved the town meeting article in 2016. The Attorney General's Office also approved the article. 
The wording of the amendment itself did not specify it applied only to new structures, Bobrovsky said. Now over to Max. Thank you, Claire. Question of the Week for Selectman Candidates by Joanna Cates of Ellis. There are three candidates running for one three-year selectman seat in the upcoming town election on April 2nd. To help voters decide who is the best candidate for the job, the Belmont Citizen Herald is asking each of them a question of the week leading up to Election Day. This week's question is, There are five uses currently being considered for the town's former incinerator site. If you were selectman, which use would you vote in favor of as the best option for the land's post-closure use and why? Answer in 300 words or less. Here are the candidates' answers. Jesse Bennett. The town has been hoping for a big idea to mitigate the cost of capping the incinerator site. Unfortunately, based on what we know right now, no single option is an obvious choice. One thing is clear, the anaerobic digester needs to come off the table. Locating it in a residential neighborhood is not a viable option. Forty tractor trailers full of waste queuing up on a major traffic artery simply will not work. As if that weren't reason enough, the numbers don't add up. The market for solid waste is uncertain, and we would be taking a huge financial risk. As for other uses, we still don't have enough information to make a decision. The Board of Selectmen asked Langdon Environmental to conduct to research the soil conditions to determine whether they are favorable for building. We also don't yet know how the state will define municipal use and whether they will allow a public-private partnership for a rink on the site. In the next few weeks, we will have enough information to know whether a rink on the site is possible. The battery storage for Belmont Light looks like a fantastic idea that doesn't rule out other options. We can use batteries, which are the size of a shipping container, to buy cheap electricity off the grid during off-peak hours and use it during peak times. The savings could help fund green initiatives or benefit tax ratepayers directly. There may be more than one answer. Combine solar and battery storage with a skate park or a rink with solar panels and battery storage. As frustrating as it can be to wait for answers, until we have all of the necessary information, it's impossible to make a final decision on the use of the site. Roy Epstein. As chair of the Warrant Committee, member of the Light Board Advisory Committee, and a concerned citizen, I have been studying the use of the incinerator site for years. The critical factor is that the EPA requires us to install a cap on a 40-foot deep ash pile. It is not a suitable location for a heavy structure. I would vote for energy storage using modern batteries combined with a solar farm. The site would accommodate a two-megawatt farm, something as big as all Belmont's rooftop solar combined. It would have no neighborhood impacts, pose no complications for capping the site, and have no maintenance expenses. This would be a big step toward reaching our climate action goals, improving Belmont light reliability and generating revenue. Another needed use is bulk material storage for DPW and storage for construction materials for the new school. Some areas can be repurposed when the school is finished. Energy storage, solar, and bulk storage leave room for other passive uses. I favor options that do not impact the cap and have no upfront capital costs or maintenance security expenses. Bike paths and green space fall into this category. A skate park would requ require more study. 
The proposed anaerobic digester does not work for all the reasons given by the neighbors. In addition, I conducted an economic analysis of the digester with fellow, fellow warrant committee members. We determined that when the engineering consultant's faulty economic assumptions are corrected, the project is not viable financially. The incinerator site is a poor location for a hockey rink. Construction on the Asheville would be very expensive, and even then the ice might crack. It is also too far away. I recommend a new rink near the high school instead. Timothy Flood. I do not favor any of the current proposed solutions for the incinerator site. Although each option has its merits, the ongoing testing must be completed to determine which options are viable for the site. Furthermore, I do not believe we should rush to this decision. The current 7 to 12 school building project proposed to use the site for storage for up to five years. In addition to the five currently proposed options, I would consider other solutions to better meet long-term town needs, such as a much-needed DPW facility or a combination of solutions given the large site area. Over to you, Bob. Thanks, Max. Lisa's Pizzeria now open by Rachel Kelly. After several months of awaiting permitting, Lisa's Pizzeria, located at 368 Trapello Road, the former site of Thiago's Pizza, is now open. The Belmont location is the seventh in the Lisa's Pizzeria family, which includes other locations in Woburn, Wakefield, Tewksbury, Melrose, Medford, and Dracut. Owner Tony Pereira said that the Belmont location's menu is similar to those at the other locations, featuring calzones, salads, sandwiches, and chicken wings, in addition to hand-stretched Italian thin-crust pizza. Pereira said he wants to earn business from Belmont residents by, provide, by providing fresh products daily and by forming relationships with his customers. We want to be where you see the same faces time and time again, he said. In small towns like this, people know who you are, and they become not only your customers, but your friends. Pereira owns a breakfast restaurant in Medford and another pizza shop in Quincy, in addition to the seven Lisa's Pizzeria locations. He said the most important part about operating these businesses is making a commitment to the local community, whether that involves sponsoring a youth sports team or something more hands-on like volunteering with the elderly. Nowadays, you see fewer people investing in places like this. Everybody wants to own the big companies, but it's the local people that make a real difference, he said. Pereira, who was born in Portugal and lives in Malden, bought the original Lisa's Pizzeria in Movement about 10 years ago. He said customers can expect a motivated, clean-cut staff, including some employees that have been working with him for almost 20 years and have helped him to establish his brand. And now over to Claire. Thanks, Bob. Belmont Center's Terra Firma closing on March 31st by Joanna K. Zuvalis. After more than 30 years in business, Terra Firma, Belmont Center's boutique, offering a unique inventory of products from around the world, including jewelry, art, and greeting cards, is permanently closing its doors on or before March 31st. Fraternal twins, 
Charlotte Trilling and Annie O'Malley of Arlington have been a two-person operation at Terra Firma since taking over in 1988. We send a heartfelt thank you to all of our loyal and amazing customers throughout the 30-plus years of operation in Belmont Center, wrote Trilling in an email to customers. O'Malley said business definitely changed after Macy's closed in 2013. All merchandise is being sold at a discounted price. And now, here's Max. Thank you, Claire. Question of the Week for Housing Authority Candidates by Joanna Cates of Ellis. There are two candidates running for the five-year Housing Authority seat in the upcoming town election uh, April 2nd. They are newcomer Cassandra Page and incumbent incumbent Thomasina Olson. The Housing Authority has five members, four of whom are elected for overlapping five-year terms, while the fifth is appointed by the state. The full-time salaried executive director supervises and coordinates the programs. According to Belmont's town website, the Belmont Housing Authority manages programs which provide housing assistance for low-income families, veterans, and the elderly. It presently manages a total of 256 units of conventional housing, which includes 100 units of veterans and family housing, 154 units of elder, elderly and handicapped disabled housing, and two units of housing for the developmentally disabled. The authority also administers two Massachusetts rental vouchers, three alternative housing vouchers, 20 existing Section 8 rental assistance certificates, and 25 Section 8 housing voucher certificates. This week's question is, what do you think can be done to improve communication between residents of Belmont Housing and the Housing Authority so concerns of residents can be heard and residents can overcome their fear of speaking up about their concerns? Answer in 200 words or less. The candidate's answers are Thomasina Olson. The Belmont Housing Authority takes very seriously the citizens' concerns section of our board meetings. We have had residents attend to discuss parking and safety, among other concerns. In an effort to be more accessible, we have held meetings at both Sherman Gardens and Waverly Oaks. BHA staff are considering office hours at the locations. Additionally, literacy is an important issue, and the authority has purchased and placed little libraries at three sites. In the family unit alone, there are two little libraries with the hope of encouraging young readers. There has been discussion of instituting a story hour to further this goal. Reaching out through literacy efforts is important for creating greater visibility and accessibility and encouraging dialogue between the residents and the authority. Finally, I am assisting in the planning of Better Together on April 28th on behalf of the BHA and the COA, whose goal is to encourage greater community. Cassandra Page. I believe the best way to address tenants' concerns without inundating the, the office staff or the entire board with questions and concerns that they fear that they fear to speak about would be to give them someone they already know, trust, and is on the same level as them to come to, myself. I am not afraid to stand up for them, for us as a whole. I am willing to listen to concerns and address them with the rest of the board and the housing authority as a whole without causing direct attention to specific tenants. I want to hopefully remove their fear by being someone they can be comfortable confiding in, someone who is available and willing to take their concerns and ideas seriously and try to make a change to better the community we live in. Over to you, Bob. Thanks, Max. 
A fun fact from more content now. Baking with butter. According to the Food Network, bakers should never use salted butter in their recipes. Using unsalted butter allows you to use the exact amount of salt needed in a recipe. Soda and sugary drinks. Court denies ad labels. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals recently granted a preliminary injunction on a San Francisco city ordinance that required health warnings on advertisements for soda and other sugary drinks. The court ruled the ordinance offend plaintiffs' First Amendment rights by chilling protected speech. And now over to Claire. Thank you, Bob. De Cordova Biennial to feature 23 New England artists. New England artists to display works beginning April 5th. Beginning April 5, De Cordova Sculpture Park and Museum will present works of art in newly commissioned installations by 23 New England-based artists in De Cordova, New England Biennial 2019. The selected artists are from all six northeastern states, Connecticut, Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and Vermont, featuring work across diverse mediums, including paintings, sculpture, video, photography, fiber art, and ceramics. The biennial will occupy all galleries of the museum and extend into the sculpture park with new site-specific commissions. It will be on view through September 15th. Every two years, the De Cordova Biennial renews our appreciation for the ways in which New England is a vital region for contemporary art making today. This major survey presents some of the most dynamic, experimental, and distinguished artists in our area, said Sarah Montrose, curator. Featuring works by artists across generations and backgrounds, the biennial can also be experienced against the backdrop of our contemporary moment as artists respond to churning political dialogues, the weight and repetitions of American history, the pressures exerted on our ecological and cultural landscapes, as well as the increasingly indeterminate realms of truth and belief. Now over to Max. Thanks, Claire. Canopy is here. Grab some popcorn, claim a spot on the couch, and get ready to watch some of the world's best films for free. Belmont Library cardholders now have access to any of the 30,000 films in the Canopy collection. If you like documentary, international, classic, or independent films, give Canopy a try. It offers film festival favorites, hard-to-find titles, and thousands of films from the Criterion Collection, Great Courses, PBS, Women Make Movies, Samuel Goldwyn, and more. CBC News calls Canopy a treasure trove, arguably the greatest assortment of, of international art cinema under one roof. Also included is Canopy Kids, offering a variety of entertaining and educational films and TV series for preschool and up, including animated storybooks, anime, classic films, and movies for the whole family. Each Belmont Public Library cardholder may stream up to five films a month. Once you press the play button on a film, you have three days to view it as many times as you like. Back to you, Bob. Along with my colleagues, Claire and Max, we thank you for listening to the Talking News.
and hope you've enjoyed the show. We will return next week for another edition of Local News Happenings around Belmont. <laughs>